Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Happy New Year, everybody. 2024 is here. Super excited. It's a new year. It's a new month. We got a new series. It's kind of like an old series, but it's a new series. Excuse me. Wow. It's called the Jesus Movement, and we did this several times last year and just felt compelled to dive into this for the month of January, and we're going to talk about what it looks like to see a Jesus Movement in our lives through this church and in this city. And I want to be a part of what Jesus is doing in this city. I want, to be, I want to see him changing people's lives. I want to see people's lives radically transformed by the love and the power of Jesus. I want to see that by the hundreds. I want to see that by the thousands. I want to be a part of a Jesus movement. I don't want to just read about it. I don't want to just watch movies about it. I want to see it firsthand, and that's our prayer. And I'm praying that you and I would all have the faith to see that this year, a real, genuine Jesus movement. And I love these words in John 6. It says this, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? And Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. And I just love this posture of Peter right here and all the disciples. Jesus just got done teaching a very difficult message. It's very difficult to understand for them. It's very difficult for them to live out and follow. And so almost everybody left. The crowd's gone. And so Jesus is looking around. He's like, you guys are still here? Are you guys going to go anywhere too? And, and, and Peter's like, where would we go? Like, yeah, we could go with them. We could go that direction, that direction. But Jesus, we want you. We choose you, Jesus. You hold the words of not just life. He holds the very words of eternal life. Jesus, we believe you are God. And so we're, we're following you. And I hope that this would be our mindset this year. Jesus, I could go lots of different directions this year, but I'm going after you. I'm following you, Jesus. I want to stay close to you because I know who you are. You are the Son of God. You are the God-man. You are the guy who died on the cross but rose again, proving that you are God. I'm with you, Jesus, because you don't just give me life. You give me eternal life. And I pray that that would be our posture and our mindset. Jesus, I just want you. Where else would I go, Jesus? You're all that I got and you're all that I want. And so we're going to look at this phrase all month long, the Jesus-centered, spirit-led, loving community of missionaries. Jesus-centered, spirit-led, loving community of missionaries. You know what I love about this phrase is it speaks to the Trinity. You see God the Son and Jesus. You see God the Spirit and the Holy Spirit, spirit-led. And you see God the Father represented out of his love. You see, we, we, 
I want us to be people that receive the love of God and give the love of God. We can't give what we don't have, and so we want to receive and just live in and experience God's love on a regular basis, and then just out of that, give his love to everybody in our lives, everybody around us, and so you see the love of the Father there in us. And we're not just believers. We're not just followers of Jesus. We are missionaries, and so we're going to talk about that whole phrase all month long here as we talk about a Jesus movement, but here's what I believe. I believe that is the ingredients to a Jesus movement. If you and I live this out, we are Jesus-centered, we are spirit-led, and we are a loving community of missionaries, we will see a Jesus movement take place. And so today I want to start with the Jesus movement, because I think this is a great place for us to start in the new year. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about living a Jesus-centered life. That's what today's message is, living a Jesus-centered life and And here's what that means. A Jesus-centered life aims to glorify Jesus with their entire life. With everything that I do, with everything that I am, I aim to glorify Jesus with everything. That's what it means to be a Jesus-centered life. Now, I'm somebody who takes a lot of vitamins and supplements. I really like to be as healthy as possible. Anybody with me with supplements and vitamins? Anybody like every, every morning I make some coffee. I love coffee, but I put some collagen in it. And I put some like this mushroom powder chaga in it. Like, cause Amy tells me it's healthy and it's good for me and all that. I just want to be healthy. So it's all right. Okay, it's fine. And, and I take my men's multi-daily vitamin every day. And I take things like grapeseed extract and krill oil and all these, I, I'd have all this stuff that I take every day because it makes me feel better. Like I got issues physically in my body and it always helps me live a healthier life. Like health is a core value for me. I want to pursue health in every area of my life. And so I love supplements and vitamins. I'm not extreme and crazy. I might sound like it to some of you. <laughs> There's probably about eight, nine, ten things that I take every single day. But I'm not doing the whole whey protein, working out every day. I, I, I don't... You couldn't tell, but Adam, like his, his arms are as big as my legs because of how the dude works out. Like, I, I want to get in shape and be strong, but I'm not, my goal is to not look like Adam and do that. But so I'm not way into all the extreme, all that, you know, whey protein, all that stuff. But I like to be healthy, so I like supplements and vitamins. And sometimes I wonder if we treat Jesus like he's just a supplement to our life where I just kind of go to him and take a little dose of Jesus to help me feel good. And it was good for that moment. And now I just kind of go and live my own life and kind of do my thing. So maybe here's a good question for us to, to wrestle with. Is Jesus a supplement in my life or is he the center of my life? Because it's easy for us to kind of live life and be self-centered and not Jesus-centered. And to kind of do our thing and just kind of make our plans and do all that. Maybe I pray a prayer before my meal, thank Jesus for that. Maybe I read my Bible and I do some things throughout the week. Just occasionally I, I think about Jesus, I pray to Jesus, I show up to church occasionally and all that. But it's easy for us to make Jesus just a supplement but not allow him to be the true center of our life. And my prayer is that you and I would make Jesus the center I don't want Jesus to be just a supplement in my life. I want him to be the center of my life and your life. And I believe the starting point for all of that is really love. Why would I make Jesus the center of my life? Well, first, because I've encountered his incredible love for me. Like he loves me, he loves you so much. 
Jesus proved his love for all of us. That's why he went through the cross. Not because he was forced to, not because he was made to, because he chose to, out of love, willingly lay down his life for you and me because our sins and our rejection of God sentenced us to eternal death, but God doesn't want us to have eternal death. He wants us to be with him, not just in eternity, but now, have relationship with him, to enjoy him now. And so Jesus went to the cross for our sins, paid that penalty of death, rose from the dead, proving that we can trust him, we can put our faith in him. And when you and I do that, we are reconciled, we're restored back into a relationship with God. He did all that because he loves us. I'm thankful for his love. And out of that, I just want to love him back. Like, we love him because he first loved us. And so this is the starting place. Like, why would I put Jesus in the center of my life? Because he is the most loving person, entity that there is. In fact, he is love. He is the source and the definition of love. He is the essence of what love is. And so... It all starts with love, and he has given me so much, and he, I just have, I sense his love all the time. And I pray that you and I all do. And so it starts with love. Like, that's why like, he loves me, and I love him, and that's why I would make him the, the center uh, of, of my life. So what does it mean to, to really live a Jesus-centered life? And this is what I, I would say it means. It means that Jesus is in control. I give him control of my life. Now, a lot of us, we like control or the illusion of it because can we just be honest? Control is an illusion. It's not possible. But it is really, in a sense, it's okay, Jesus, I give you control of my life. It's actually like the prayer I just prayed. Jesus, take the wheel. You're in charge. And what we call that is lordship. And so a Jesus-centered life is surrender to the lordship of Christ. He's the Lord He's my leader. I follow him and I trust his ways because what I've learned is that his ways are way better than my ways. I've made plans and I've kind of ruined things and messed things up when I trust his plans and his ways. It always goes better. It's not always easy, but it's always better and it's always worth it. So a Jesus-centered life really is surrendering to the lordship of Christ, making him Lord and just the leader of every area of my life. This is why Jesus said, seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Love that verse. In fact, Jesus says this in the middle of this narrative where he's talking about worry. He's like, don't worry. Why do you worry about all this stuff? Who of you can add a single hour to his life just by worrying? Does anybody ever find themselves worrying about anything in life? Anybody out there? It's like, I worry. I worry about this, and I worry about money, and finances, and bills, and kids, and all this, and why is it raining today, and why is it bad weather? We just, we worry, we worry, we worry. We can find ourselves worrying. Jesus knows that, and so he's talking about worrying is really not going to help you, and in the middle of that, this is what he says. He says, but here's what I encourage you to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things, they'll be added to you because your Father knows what you need, is what Jesus is saying. So here's what Jesus is saying. If you seek him first, put him first, you'll get all that stuff. It'll happen. But if you seek all that stuff and go after all that stuff, you and I could miss out on Jesus. And when we miss out on Jesus, we miss out on everything. So it's not worth it. So just put him first, and he'll take care of us and all that other stuff we worry about. We don't have to worry about is what Jesus is saying. So we want to put him first in every area of our life. You know, that's really the meaning of life. The meaning of life is it's all about Jesus. (laughs) It's 
That's what it is. It's all about Jesus, and the hope is that you and I just live a life in a relationship with Jesus, and everything in our life flows out of that relationship with Jesus. Because a Jesus-centered life aims to glorify Jesus with their entire life. That's what we see here in Colossians in that passage that Tony just read. Let's, let's look at these verses again. We see that Jesus is pretty important. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. Man, did you get the point there? This is talking about how supreme and how glorious and how incredible Jesus is. Everything exists by him and for him. And it says there that he is the first in everything. So the question is, is he first in my life? We want to live that Jesus first life. That's what it means to be Jesus-centered, right? It's that Jesus first life, putting him first in everything. I want Jesus to be first in all my decisions that I make. Because sometimes I can be a little boneheaded in my decisions. So I want to make sure that I'm not just making decisions based upon what I want, what I feel, and especially based upon just my emotions, but Jesus, I need your help to lead and guide me in all the decisions of my life. I want to put Jesus first in my day. So how do I do that? I spend the first moments of my day with Jesus. That's how I put my day, or I put Jesus first in my day. I get up, I'm going to spend some time with Jesus before I do anything else. Maybe coffee and then Jesus, right? That's okay. I think he's okay with, with, with that, right? But that first portion of the day with Jesus is putting him first. The first part of the week, when we show up in a moment like this, we're saying, hey, Jesus, on that first part of the first day of the week, I'm putting you first in my life. That's why it's, I think it's good for us to gather with God's people. He's given us everything, all of our stuff, all of our finances. We recognize that it all belongs to him. But how do we put God first in our finances it's by giving him the first portion of our finances. That's how we demonstrate, God, you're first, in, even in my finances, I give you the first portion of that. I wanna put him first in my family. I want to be a Jesus-centered family. I want him to be first in my career. It's putting Jesus first in every area of our life. That's the Jesus-centered life. And I pray that Jesus would be first in this church, that this church would be all about Jesus. After all, we just read something pretty important. Jesus is the head of the church, which is his body. And that's us as his people. He is the head. We want to put him first. And just like it's easy for us to not put Jesus first in our life, it can actually happen in the church too. Maybe you've noticed, maybe you've been there. I know I have. Maybe you've been a part of it. Maybe you're there now. But it's easy for a church to talk about Jesus, but not to be fully Jesus-centered. Because we make it more about this and this and, and 
we have these programs, and you can really see it when you have this program and people love it, but then you feel like, okay, we need to cancel that program. We're, we're done. That, that program has seen its end. We cancel the program, and people are upset, and they're mad, and they're angry, and they leave the church because they love the program more than they love Jesus. We've made it about a program and not Jesus. We've elevated programs above Jesus. We can do that in so many things in the church, guys. We can make it about our building and our property. I can elevate that above Jesus. And we can make that more important. Like, it's more important for our building to be huge and grandiose and, and great than for us to make sure that we're really making our church about Jesus. Uh, we can make our services, our gatherings, more of a production. And it's all about making it good and excellent and, and producing this great product for people to enjoy so that when we all leave on Sunday afternoon, we say, well, that was good. We can make it about all of that and miss out on it. It's all about Jesus, actually. We can elevate the production over Jesus. We can even make churches about pastors. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've seen that. I go to Pastor So-and-So's church, and people are really into that. Like that's, We can make it about pastors and leadership and not about Jesus. We want this to be a Jesus-centered, Jesus-first church. That's my prayer for, for all of us. And... I think in a lot of ways, we've overcomplicated how we do church. And to go even further with that, I think we've overemphasized how we do church. And we've made our Christianity all about this moment. This is it. So we do this moment, and if I'm a part of this, then I'm a good Christian. If I'm not, then either that's a bad church, I need to go to a good church, or... You know, whatever, you know, we just, we, we overemphasize how we do church. And what we do when we do that is we make an idol out of church. And if we're honest, sometimes we can do that. We make an idol out of church. And I put church above Jesus. So if it's not good enough, if it doesn't meet my needs, then I go to a church that does because it's more about the church than it is about Jesus. And I think we're more in love with how we do church than we are in love with Jesus. Is it okay if I get honest for just a few moments? It's getting really quiet in here. <laughs> Sometimes we can make the production of our services more important than what our services are actually producing. Sometimes we're more concerned about the popularity of our church than the popularity of Jesus. Um, this is why people will leave a church because it's not good enough for them, that kids' ministry didn't meet my needs, that I just felt uncomfortable, I gotta go place. I mean, there's all these things, and again, there's a balance to this. I hope you hear my heart in this, okay? There is a balance to all of this. Uh, I wanna acknowledge that. And the truth is, we want to do everything with excellence. That's good. To do everything good honors God. If we want to be as excellent as we possibly can, we want our music, all the, the preaching. I hope that it, it comes across in a way that people can receive it, that it has good doctrine, that we have good kids' ministry. All of that is good and it's important. We want to do it with excellence because I believe that does honor God. Like, I'm all for good music and a good experience. Like, that's, that's good. But, but here's the problem. The problem is when we continue to make church all about consumerism 
and we make it all about just how good it was and not about Jesus, then we've elevated church and how we do church over Jesus. You hear my heart in this? Now, the truth is we do live in a very consumeristic culture. That's, our, that's the culture we're in. Case in point, two weeks ago, Christmas. Yeah, we're very consumeristic, right? And, you know, in the, in the first Christmas, there was no room for Jesus in the inn, so he got to go to the cave in the barn. And I wonder if that's the same today in Christmas. Is there any room for Jesus in Christmas today? And is there any room for Jesus in our church today? And we can become so consumeristic about this that we can lose sight of Jesus. Now, we want to connect with people right where they're at. I think it's good, again, to serve people. And we've got to recognize a lot of people who don't have faith in Jesus, they're looking for a place where you're going to serve them, you're going to love them, you're going to connect them, you're going to make them feel like I belong. And so all of that has to do with having a good kids ministry. We'll take care of your kids. Okay, we want to serve people well. Again, there's a balance to all of that, but when we as Christians continue in our consumeristic ways, then we're making church just all about something we consume. And I don't think that's what Jesus died on the cross for. We don't want it to be, was it a good service? Was it a good message? Like I said this uh, probably about a year ago, I said, don't tell me after service if it was a good message or not. I, I will do my best, and I will pray that it's good, but my goal is not that it's good. My prayer is that it does some good, that God speaks to us. And there might be one thing God speaks to you through my 30-minute rambling, and that's all you needed to hear today. That's great, because God did some good in this through me somehow. So it's not about a good sermon, but I pray that it does some good for all of us, that it helps us move and grow and learn and rethink things. And maybe I'm challenging thinking in a paradigm. And for some of us, I might step on some idols in our life, and that's okay because we want Jesus to be above everything else in our life. And so we can make it about the production, and was the music good enough, and the service, and all that good enough. And I don't think that's why Jesus died on the cross. You know, there was a church back in the 90s that felt very convicted about this. They actually had one of the leading songwriters, worship songwriters in the world and had an incredible band and this incredible experience and they felt very convicted, like we've made it about the production and not about Jesus. And so they canceled the band, the worship team, for like months. No band, no musicians, no worship team. We're gonna gather, we're gonna sit in a room and kind of face one another, and then we're just going to let people just sing out in acapella, and they let the Spirit lead, and people would just begin to sing, lead a song, and then the whole, the whole place would just kind of sing along acapella with that, and they did that for months, for months. This world premiere, world-class worship team just sat in a circle with everybody else and just worshiped, and their goal was, like, we got we to gotta kill this production thing that we've got going. Once you know out of that time, if you're from the 90s, you know this song I'm about ready to share, but if, you've been, if you're in the, a lot of us are from the 90s. That was maybe an inaccurate statement. If you were in the church in the 90s, in early 2000s, you probably remember this song, but out of that, this song was birthed. And this was the, the words that came out. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. 
you search much deeper within through the way things appear, you're looking into my heart. Coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. You know, a Jesus-centered life aims to glorify Jesus with their entire life. That's what we're talking about here today. So here's what I want to throw out to us. Here's my thought, my challenge for all of us. Can we just prioritize following Jesus over how we do church? I believe we need to elevate Jesus and our Christology over our ecclesiology. And not make an idol of church, but Jesus is Lord. He's who I'm after. He's who I'm living for. He is first. And I put that above how I do church. Now, again, how we do church matters. We want to make sure we do it biblically and there's principles that we want to follow. So how we do church is important, but it's not more important than Jesus. So let's make Jesus the priority, not how we do church. Because here's the deal, guys. I love the church. With all of its imperfections, with all of its brokenness and its struggles and its hardships and the ups and downs. Like, I love church. I love the church. I'm going to give my life to serve in the church. I'm going to spend the rest of my life leading and serving and do whatever I can to, the, to my last breath. I'm going to serve the church because I love the church. And I know Jesus loves the church. He gave his life. He shed his blood on the cross for the church. And so the church is important. How we do church is important. But I don't want how we do church to be an idol in our life. I don't want that to get in the way of you and I following Jesus. And it can. And so as I was reflecting on all this, I just thought about how too much of my life, just me personally, has been spent doing church better and bigger and getting more people in, and not enough of it has just been about following Jesus for me personally. I've been more about being a professional Christian than a genuine, authentic Christian, where I can get up and preach Jesus on a Sunday and help encourage people, equip people, uh, exhort the word to people, and that's good, but then I, like, not share my faith in Jesus throughout the week. If I'm honest, I've been so busy doing church most of my ministry life that I didn't have enough time to walk across the street in my own neighborhood and share Jesus with my neighbor. And if I'm really honest, I've been so busy doing church that there's times where I don't have enough time to just be with Jesus personally because my life is consumed with doing church. And here's, here's my conviction. Here's my goal. This is my prayer and one of my goals for the rest of my life. I want to be a better follower of Jesus than I am at doing church. That's what I want. Again, doing church, doing it well, super important, but it's not all about this moment. This is important, but it's really more important that you and I go out and we live for Jesus every single day, every single moment. Guys, this is why I love Disciple Maker. This is why we keep talking about it. This is why we keep going with it, because two years ago, Amy and I joined this cohort of people, and I, I finally found this rhythm in my life and this the Spirit just opened the, the floodgates in my life of how I can stop being a professional Christian. And I can just live out this Jesus life in my neighborhood, 
in everywhere I went, in the grocery store, in the coffee shops that I go to. And now I just want to spend my life training and equipping as many Christians as I possibly can to follow Jesus every day of their life and to let the Spirit lead them and empower them. That's what I want to do. That's why I love Disciple Maker, and we're starting it again in a few weeks. Wednesday night, January 24th, we want to equip you to be a Jesus follower. I'm going to help you share your faith more than ever. You can sign up on that Blue Connect card. You can let us know on there. Also, that card that has all those groups on there, there's some information on how you can sign up for any of those groups, but Disciple Maker is a big deal to us, and we just have this dream of equipping and training hundreds of Christians to go and be Jesus all over this valley. Now, there's a, a lot of reasons why Christians don't share their faith. One of them is fear. Maybe you feel that. Like, I want to do that, Tyrone. I want to go and share my faith. Disciple maker sounds cool and all, but I don't want to be forced to share my faith because if I'm honest, I'm scared. And I get it. I'm often still scared. I just do it scared. And that's what I encourage you to do. Do it scared. And here's the good news. Holy Spirit has filled you with power and has anointed you to be a bold, courageous witness. And you watch what he does in your life. And so he helps us with the fear thing, but I get it. The fear is a big issue. Uh, there's another reason people don't share their faith is they don't know how. A lot of Christians say, I just don't know how to do it. Well, great, come and join us. We'll equip you, we'll train you, we'll practice it, and we'll send you out to do it. And that helps us overcome that hurdle. Some people just don't care about other people knowing Jesus. If we're really honest, and it might be because we're just super busy or we're just living a self-centered life, and so I don't really think about it, but I... If I'm honest, I don't care that other people don't know Jesus. That's why I don't share my faith. And other people might say, all I have is Christian friends. I don't know anybody else who's not a Christian. So I don't, like, where do I share that? And so those are all valid reasons that hold us back from sharing our faith. And my prayer is that all of us would love Jesus so much, would be so full of Holy Spirit boldness that we share our faith naturally. That it just comes out. Did anybody watch Elf last month? Anybody? Anybody? Come on. Yeah. It was the 20th anniversary this last Christmas season of Elf. It's one of two movies for me personally that I have to watch in Christmas time. Have to. There's about 10 other movies that I'd like to if I have time. Maybe I'll do that. I don't always have time. But you got to watch Elf, which we did. Family loved it. It's great. After 20 years of watching Elf, it's like you got half the movie, mem movie memorized. Have you noticed that? You know exactly what's coming up. It's like, but it doesn't matter. It's awesome. I love it. You know, it's, you know, make smiling your favorite. You know, you just know it's coming. But one of my favorite parts is when Buddy the Elf has his date with Jovi. And he falls in love with Jovi. You remember what happens after that? His dad's in the boardroom. He's got a very important meeting in the boardroom, and Buddy comes busting to the door. And what's he say? He's like, I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows. And he's like dancing and prancing around, and he doesn't care because he's in love, right? And I just love that attitude. I love that mindset of like, what if we were just so in love with Jesus that it just came out? And we don't care who knows. We just want people to hear about Jesus because of all that he's done for us. It just comes out. What if we had that kind of posture, minus the dancing and prancing, but just that, like, I just want people to know about Jesus. This, by the way, is why I have no problems talking about Seattle sports teams. 
because I love the Seattle Seahawks. By the way, we're going to pray that the Seahawks beat the Cardinals today. I don't mind talking about the Mariners. I don't mind talking about Gonzaga Bulldogs. And oh, by the way, did you know the Washington Huskies are in the national championship game tomorrow? And so let's just pause and pray for them to beat the Wolverines. Can we just do that right now? I love sports. I love Seattle sports teams. So you have to endure me talking about that at times, right? And some of you, you really do endure it. It's, it's a struggle. God, I love them. That's why I don't mind talking about it. And that's why at times I'll talk about my family and my kids. I just love my family and I just love Jesus. I just want to love Jesus more and more. I want that to come out more and more. I pray that you and I just would love Jesus and we just can't help it. We just talk about him because we love him that much. You know, when we love something so much, we tell other people about it. Right? If we could take that principle a little bit further, go deeper, make it spiritual, we worship what we love. You notice, we worship what we love. There's lots of things that we enjoy, but there's something we really, really love, and we just make that the pursuit of our life. That's what we end up worshiping. We worship what we love, and we're all worshipers. We're all worshiping something. And so my prayer for you and me is that we just worship Jesus because we love him so much. Like, we don't want just more attenders to come into our services and our gatherings. We want more worshipers. That's what we want. Because I know if they're a worshiper, they love Jesus, they're going after Jesus, they're following him, and they're going to get a whole lot more out of this moment than if they're not a worshiper. In fact, I remember the, the years that I didn't follow Jesus. I wanted nothing to do with church. I hated church. I hated God. And to me, in that time of my life, church was stupid. It was boring. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? It's like, People who don't have a faith in Jesus, they look at us who go to church and like, what a complete waste of time. Like, you do that every Sunday, seriously? And to them, it doesn't make sense. And I can remember thinking that way. I told my parents, like, I hate church. I don't want to go. But then Jesus changed my life. All of a sudden, like, oh, change of heart. I kind of like this now because Jesus radically changed my life. And made me new and I had this love for people and this love for life and this love for God and I just wanted to get with God's people and worship. I loved it. I was always there after that. I went from I hate church to like, when's the doors open next? Because I'll be there. And you can only explain that by Jesus changing your heart and that was me. And that's why I love it when people come and they do, maybe they aren't a worshiper of Jesus right now and maybe you're not there in this place right now and that's okay. Because it's an opportunity for people, maybe even you, to hear about Jesus and how much he loves you. And I know this. All it takes is one moment for Jesus to change somebody's life. All it takes is one service, one Sunday, or even one conversation that you have with somebody in the workplace, and he can change their life. And they can go from atheist, uh, agnostic, I don't care about Jesus, to I'm a worshiper of Jesus now. Think about this. Can you imagine? Just dream, pray, think about this. There's people in your life that you know that don't believe in Jesus right now, but picture this. Picture them worshiping Jesus in your home this year. How amazing would that be? Pray for that. Believe for that. That would be the most incredible thing. They're worshiping Jesus with you in your home. I believe it's possible, friends. So we don't 
that's really the goal is that because we worship what we love, that we just be worshipers of Jesus, right? So a Jesus-centered life aims to glorify Jesus with their entire, entire life. And here's the deal. Here's what we understand. The reality of the current cultural moment is that most people in our city won't come to church. Have you noticed? Maybe you've tried inviting people. Most people in our city will never come through the doors of our church. In fact, most people in our city will never come through the doors of any church. Statistics say about 80%. 80% of people in this valley will never go to any church no matter how many times you invite them. So, in lieu of that fact, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do? Are we Are going to build bigger buildings and hope that they, they come? Like if we build it, they'll come. Nope, they won't. Because they don't care. Or maybe we have bigger and better events. Now, events, things like that can help a little bit. In fact, we're going to do an egg hunt again this Easter in Palomino Park is what we're looking at doing. It's a way to serve the city, build bridges, love on people. I love that, just helping the city and the community be better, making it a better place, partner with other organizations and, and serve. That's great, but that's still not gonna reach the 80% who would never ever come to, through the doors of our church. So what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do about it? This is why we are passionate about equipping you and training you to go and be a disciple maker of Jesus, that you know that you are equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit and you can share your faith and lead people to Jesus. It doesn't have to happen here. And I believe that there are people out there that are just waiting for you to ask them, hey, would you like to get together and read the Bible with me and just talk about it? We call that a go group. It's a go group. We just get together with people, read the Bible, and we talk about it. Sounds pretty hard, huh? Anybody can, read, can do a go group because anyone can just read the Bible and talk about it. It's very simple, yet it's very powerful. I think if Jesus looked out over our city, he wouldn't be worried about the 80% that will never come to our church. He'd say... Hey guys, the harvest is ready. It's ripe. It's out there. I love these words of Jesus. In Matthew 9, it's recorded, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. And I've been praying for you and I've been praying for us for years. I've been praying that you and I would be one of those workers that Jesus would be sending out into the fields. The harvest is ready, it's ripe. Jesus would say to people out there, I've been working in their life. I'm softening their heart. They're waiting for you to go and talk with them and to love them and encourage them and speak life over them and share your story and share your faith and, and just invite them to get together. They may never, ever come through the doors of this church, but they might meet Jesus with you on lunch break as you guys open up the Bible and read about it and talk about it. They might do it in your neighborhood. They might do it at the coffee shop. There's hundreds of people out there that are willing to do that. I believe this is how we can see a Jesus movement. We don't just make it about this, but we live such Jesus-centered lives that we just go and we just take Jesus everywhere we go. And I don't have to bring him here. I can take Jesus to there or to them and I can lead them and I can disciple them right there. 
I believe that all of you are able to do that because Jesus believes that. And that's the type of church we want to be. Jesus-centered, so much so that we just take Jesus everywhere we go. So I'd encourage you to consider Disciple Maker. We want you to, you know, looking at that card that has all the groups in there, all those micro churches, we want you to be in one of those. But at least once I want you to be a part of Disciple Maker. So a new training center opens up in a few weeks on a Wednesday night. And, and I'll say this, it is a commitment. The hardest thing about Disciple Maker is not, God bless, is not, man, I'm gonna have to share my faith. I don't know, I'm kind of scared. Like, I don't know if I wanna do that. That's not the hardest part about Disciple Maker because we figure that thing out. That's, that's, we can navigate that hurdle. The hardest part is showing up every Wednesday for four and a half months. That's really the hardest part. And it's, but I'm just, it's four and a half months, but it's so worth it. So worth it. So good. It'll train you and equip you to follow Jesus more closely. That's why we emphasize it. That's why it's a big deal for us. Because we want you to not be just a professional Christian, but be a true, genuine Christ follower. So a Jesus-centered life aims to glorify Jesus with their entire life. I pray that would be us. Would you stand to your feet? Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.